Did you know you can watch this episode on YouTube? Search for Accounting Influencers Podcast. And remember to like and subscribe to learn even more from the best experts, thought leaders and influencers in the accounting and fintech world. You're listening to the Accounting Influencers Podcast. This is your access to world-class accounting leaders, global influencers and thought leaders. Discover what makes accounting firms great and accounting professionals world-class. Sponsored by Dext. Make the businesses you advise more productive, profitable and powerful with better data and insights. Welcome to another edition of the Accounting Influencers Podcast with me, Rob Brown, where we interview influential people all over the world to speak with authority on what's happening in the accounting finance tech space. I'm thrilled to have me today, author of the Feinberg Review, formerly of Accounting Web, who has his finger on the pulse of what's going on, particularly in North America. It's Seth Feinberg. Good day, sir. Good day to you, sir. Happy to be on the show. Seth, what gives you any authority and credibility in this space to speak about what's happening? Since you put it that way, uh, <laughs> I often ask myself the same <laughs> question. And I think the simple answer is time. I've put a lot of time into the accounting space. I started this point is creeping up on 22 years where I spent my time as an editor, as a journalist for one of the top publications titles here. In the US, accounting today, I was an editor there covering tech and acquisitions and all manner of accounting activity from back then. And I stayed there, bounced around on and off there. I ended up writing for them even when I left. And some years later, I, I was hired on by UK, our parent company, Sift Media, who are owners and publishers of accounting web in the UK. They had a US uh, arm. Uh, for many years, uh, they needed an editor. They chose me, and I continued to stay immersed in the space, doing public speaking, speaking to firms regularly. And when we unfortunately had to close our doors last, the end of last summer, I had a decision to make, and that decision was, as Joe Stummer uh, put it, "Should I stay? Should I go?" And I decided to read the tea leaves and stay. There were enough people in my ear that uh, I know and trust and that trust me over the years that said we could use. And the thing that stuck with me was the, the theme that kept coming up was that you're one of the few independent voices that are out here. And I, I had to get my head around that. And so that's why I started the business that I did, Accountants Forward. Feinberg Review is really just my way of staying in touch with the profession and, and also just saying, hey, here's what I'm up to. I'm, I'll likely share this podcast when it comes out. I'll be like, hey, I spoke to Rob Brown. It's on the Accounting Influencers podcast. And so it's keeping up with me, but also keeping up with things that my, my thoughts on the news of the day and different articles that I'm, I continue to write for some others as well. And so that's what I think gives me the authority is that I've put in the time I've been speaking to, and, and it's the accounting space is not inordinately large, even though comparatively, sure, we're talking individually about 1.2, 1.3 million individuals who go to work every day as a practicing accountant here in, here in the States, whereas in the UK, it's decidedly smaller. But 
it's still a fairly small world. So you spend enough of that time again, Rob, but you get to know enough, enough people and they get to know you. And I feel like people will listen to me and trust me. And so I'm trying to do my best. I've just written down a few things as you were speaking in answer to the question, what gives you credibility, authority to speak into this space? Immersion is good. Time served is good. Speaking to firms, so having that regular contact is good. Trust is good. Independence is good. Staying current is good. It all speaks to one word for me, Seth, and Ed Kless. Uh, I'm very sage. is a big fan of this, and it's the word relevance. You stay relevant. You stay connected. And it's going to be great to talk to you today. We're going to dive in on one of the many subjects that you're strong on, which is the vendor and accountant relationship. So just to tee this up for us, what kind of shape do you feel the accounting profession is in right now? want to say that uh, I, if I'm staying positive, I would say it is in a state of flux, shall we say. One, one could argue that most professions these days, most business professions are in that, are in that state of, of change. And the profession, as I've seen it, has been going through it in a, a, a variety of ways over the last, I would say, 10, 12 years. So how does that flux manifest from what you're seeing? So in it's in two ways, Rob. It's in what the work is, meaning the, the nature of accounting work, the work accountants do, while at its core hasn't changed, the nature of it has. And the based on business needs, based on client needs, and also how they work has changed dr dramatically or is in, is in flux. It's in that sort of state where it, they know they need to evolve past maybe what they came into the profession doing, what they were maybe taught in school about what accounting or being an accountant, I should say being an accountant is versus what it was back then. So where things are going, I think, are definitely moving in a different direction. And I think they also have a lot of voices in their ears from a variety of places that aren't necessarily their own. Hey, I think it speaks to them a lot, actually. <laughs> yeah. Who has the year of accountants? And Back in the day, it used to be the regulatory bodies, the professional associations that would guide them. We had the era of the gurus and the experts that would be speaking, the mentors, the coaches, the uh, the experts in particular fields. But more and more, the vendors have a say. They have the year of accountants. They certainly want to. And accountants, you say it's a small profession in a way, 1.3 million, but everyone wants a piece of them, don't they? They want to be selling to accountants and they want to be selling through accountants to those business clients that they serve. So how much of a say do you feel the vendors have in getting the attention of accountants? They they have quite a bit. And that's this sort of, this, uh, sort of state of inflection that's going on right now is that there was a time where you know you the tools that you use to do the job were minimal you and where to find it was pretty straightforward you went to a store you went to your local office supply shop you found the software that you needed or maybe you employed a service outside of you to maybe do payroll or, or do maybe do certain tax production things but by and large what you used was limited and installed on your servers or on your computer. With the advent of uh, cloud and cloud technology, uh, again, this is going back maybe about a dozen years uh, or so, that sort of all changed because 
you had uh, an increased competition and also availability. Just like anything, you go on. We don't think we don't think twice about when we want something or need something. Just going on the internet, do a Google search, and find what you need. But it can get very overwhelming for particularly over here in the states. the The nature of you know, the DNA of the accounting practice is uh, decidedly small. You are usually running your own practice where it's basically you and maybe like a, a taxpayer or a bookkeeper or someone that hire part part of the year to help you deal with your clients, or maybe you're, you have a handful or so of staff, maybe a dozen or so, working with you to, to do all of these counting and counting-related things for. That's the majority of firms, Seth, isn't it? There's the big firms, but the majority of them are these smaller firms, aren't they? The vast majority, when we talk about those 1.2, 1.3 million individuals, by and large, they, they work at these types of practices. Sure, there's around the globe, but you have the big names. We all know them, but that is not the majority of accountants. And a lot of those firms too are CPA firms and CPAs only represent maybe about a rough uh, third or so of who an accounting professional is. You have your enrolled agents who are just focused predominantly on tax. You have your professional accountants, bookkeepers who have their accounting degrees. They might not have outside accreditations or what have you, but they're still accounting professionals. They're still doing the good work. And in order to do that good work, the variety of tools has evolved. So vendors are very much in your life. And those relationships, as we're getting closer to that topic right now that we're talking about, is it's strained because the amount of choices that are out there it's just like anything, the marketing has to become a bit louder. And accountants are just, they're very focused in on what they need to do. And they will listen to, they consume an inordinate amount of content to help them do the work that they do. And they listen to their colleagues a lot and they'll listen to vendors to a degree. But the sheer amount of marketing, again, to get them to, again, go to sell through them or to get them as their core users, their core influencers is, for lack of a better term, quite noisy <laughs> uh, and has been. So to cut through all that noise, you have to really offer something of value. And a lot of that starts with quality content, which again, just a very soft way of marketing what I'm doing these days, which is I want to sit on the side of the profession going, hey, we know you deserve better from the, the relationships that you, you have with, uh, with the vendor community. And so I'm talking to the vendor community about this very fact, and I'm trying to work with them in a variety of ways to get that quality content to them so that relations are better. Because let's face it, they both need each other. What they don't need is a lot of the, the noise. So on the vendor side, they don't need the distrust. They need the accountants to trust them and to work with them on not only the use of the products that are there, but in the development of the products themselves. And when we talk about the vendor community, just paint a picture for us of tech, software, there's finance, there's apps, there's all kinds of different places. So just to describe that for us, Seth, as you see it. Okay, so real, really, it, it all plays to what I was talking about before, which is the, the very things that accountants do. So what do they do? If you're a tax professional, you need your tax software, you need your core tax software, and you probably need other things to go along with that to work within your practice. So there's two sets of tools, right? There's there, we're going to talk about the tech stack for your practice is 
things to help you run your firm, do your work, stay in touch with clients, keep on top of the, the work itself. And then there is the actual work. What are you doing? Are you doing tax prep? Are you doing payroll? Are you doing the books, the core accounting? Are you doing cash flow forecasting outside of that? Are what? And then you can layer, depending on the kinds of things you want to do, you want quality re reports, you want to do some reporting, you want to have these sort of advisory types of conversations with your clients. Okay, you need the tools to be able to do that better and effectively and efficiently. So when you talk, so that's what I'm talking about with it. So with the vendor, so you have multiple creators of all of these things that accountants maybe at one time didn't do as much. And then also now that they are trying to, with this goal of efficiency, and that's what software helps you do. And obviously, our, we don't have to get too into the weeds, but my next level of automation is in AI. And this is just something that's a core ingredient uh, in the next iteration of products that you use. All of the aforementioned are, are going to have likely some AI component to them because what is it? It's just, it's an automation tool at its core. It's going to automate processes. And obviously there's the potential for it to go even deeper and wider. But right now, as we can see it, and in the very foreseeable future, that's what we're doing. We're talking about efficiency. We're talking about automation. And anyone who's out there helping you to do things better, faster, cleaner, make you look like the rock star accountant that you are, that's why they exist. And just like the accounting profession is made up of very big players, mid-tier players, smaller players, is the vendor community the same? There are some behemoths, aren't there? Multi-billion dollar conglomerations and they're startup techs and very agile, small companies serving accountants that we might say are vendors. Absolutely. Absolutely. Especially because we are on our mobile devices, we're on laptops, the physical things, the tools that we work on, everything's very app-centric. And those apps need to work as part of your tech stack. They need to work with core programs that you know that you have. And so yeah, you're gonna have, you know, companies that, you know, are maybe, you know, you know, currently earning maybe, you know, a million or so or or even less, but they're starting to disrupt the space or feed in to the space because they're doing something better, faster, cheaper, tick all those boxes. And then you have your behemoths. Look, I remember years ago talking about some of the behemoths into it. Perfect example. Core technology, much like Sage over in the UK, into it here in North America really was ubiquitous with accounting. They were in tax, core tax. So they did some basic tax prep and, and tax work and also core accounting through their QuickBooks product. And they were the big fish for a long time. And then they started noticing some of these, and they're de desktop primarily. And they started noticing some of these, these cloud startups or cloud-based companies where they designed their products solely to be used on a browser or even eventually mobile devices. And they were starting to see their lunch eaten. And as any big company, big software company would do, Microsoft, same thing. As soon as they start sensing some of the some of that lunch being eaten, they turn to their marketing engines and the, the massive amounts of money that they have and invested either in acquisitions of top tools that were out there or or they built it themselves. You know, true, true fact, QuickBooks Online, QBO through as it's commonly known was a product that they had actually for a few years before it really got pushed to the market. They were 
hovering around, oh, I remember anywhere between uh, seven and 10,000 users for a few years before they turned on the marketing faucet and decided, okay, we're going, we're all in. You've, you've heard this phrase probably uttered by some of the big fish out there. We are all in with cloud. And this was the rallying cry of the larger companies. Whereas there was companies that were like, yeah, we've been here already for a little while. And they started to get in the ears of accountants as well through grassroots measures. And I'm sure you started hearing zero nipping at the heels of Sage some years back over in the UK. And they tend to have a, a pretty, as far as from what I've seen, they have a pretty strong base over there as just an alternative. It's not just this versus that. I think everyone can play nicely in the sandbox. And ultimately the accountant decides what's best for their clients. Or maybe some of their clients will be like, yeah, I'm already on this. I like it. And so the accountant's not going to be like, no, get off that, use this. Maybe in some instances, they want to have that sort of divide where the accountant will be like, no, I don't like that. And that is also part of the influence too. And this is something that some software vendors depend on. They want them to say, hey, no, I know this product. I know it's better than what you're on. And so here we go. We're off to the races. Now you already have dozens and dozens of these out there on the market. And I've heard phrase says the vendor agenda, which describes the idea that some vendors don't have the accounting firm's interests at heart. They, they've even tried to bypass the accountants and get to their clients and then with bookkeepers. Talk about that for a little bit, because that's a little bit subversive. Yeah. Look, I've seen it happen over the years where big, big surprise, big software companies are going to do what big software companies are going to do. They're in risk, especially if they're publicly traded, which a lot of them are. They have investors to appease. They have a board to appease. They have other layers other than the accounting professionals who are using them to appease. Now, this isn't to say, and they'll never admit that they're not on the side of accounts. The relationship might be fraught. Neither of these behemoth companies from Thompson, CCH, Microsoft, Sage, into it, they'll never admit that. They'll always be like, no, love accounts. We, we, we're designing this. We've got this program. We hired... We have these people in place to make sure that the relationship is good. But at the end of the day, their goal is to sell their product. And I think that they could do a better job of those relationships, which maybe at one point with some of them were better in terms of using that the vendors, uh, sorry, excuse me, using accountants as their advocates rather than a channel. This is a big mistake that a lot of they're not resellers. They're not bars. They're not installing anything. They're not this third party that, that exists for the purpose of selling. They have to be seen as what I mentioned before, which is as an influencer, because they're the ones who are on the ground with clients. They're not that they don't have direct sellers of their, of their products and services, but they still need them. And if they continue down the path of continuing to push them away or give them a second thought, there, there, there is going to be some kind of reckoning. And I'm already seeing it happen in, in different ways. Again, not a huge market, but huge enough where vendors would do well not to ignore them completely. But at the end of the day, as I said, big software companies are going to do what big software companies are going. They're very good at selling. They're very persuasive. They have big budgets. Some of them are not, not quite Coca-Cola or Nike, but they can really get behind a message. And accountants must sometimes feel bombarded by the sheer amount of marketing material from these companies with bigger budgets. Indeed. Speaking of marketing too, having been to the UK enough and living over here, I've heard it commented on the marketing by messaging side of things, how 
in the US, we tend to be a bit more direct. They'll actually call out competitors over here versus in the UK. They wouldn't dream of that. They're like, what do you, how do you get away with that? In our advertisers. Exactly. Still, you could still be influential, still be very, very direct, but without calling out the other. Whereas over here, it's pretty commonplace. But they, because they are so good at selling, they will often try to sell accountants a tech package or a product that doesn't really take into account the tech stack that accounting firm has currently or how it integrates with what they've got right now. They've got sales targets. They've got goals to hit. And it's often regardless. Do you see some of that, Seth? And it, absolutely. And I know, again, all they can do is try to change that, that messaging to try to keep hold of the core few or the core several that they have in terms of new influencers, because there are so many alternatives to what they have now. It's very rare that you'll find, while there might be market dominance with particular brands or brand names, and they're doing this as the whole idea of the app uh, store, the certified app store. That's a, a relatively new idea where you could just, you go through and it makes buying and using easy, doesn't it? You already know these are things that integrate or are supposed to work with the, this core technology that you already have. And they continue to build out their their ecosystem. Sorry, I don't know why I was struggling to grab that word, but that's what it is. So each ecosystem can work with other core technologies. In some cases, it does not. And depending on who you talk to, then you can start getting in the weeds of, okay, integration is just this loose word, which really means, yeah, it's designed to work with this, but you're going to have to get Zapier or Make or some kind of API in order to get them to talk to each other. You know, these are things that will make the small firm owner's eyes cross. They don't want to have to think about, oh, how do I get this to work with that the right way? I just want it to work. <laughs> so that's why sometimes, to your point, it, it, it's okay, fine. I, I'm already, I have a relationship with this vendor. They already say that this, these group of products, these group of apps will work with what you have. You say it works great. If I have any problems, I'll talk to my rep. I'll talk to my customer service, whatever. They'll help me through. It's not always the best, but it's that best in class. Do I get the best product I can do to get a particular job done, regardless of whether it speaks to everything else? Or do I get that one-stop shop that might not be best in class, but at least it will talk to each other? And sometimes you end up paying more for it too. I know in the world of, say, Thompson CCH, probably good examples of they just want you to stay with their group of things. We help you run your firm. We help you do the work. We have everything's right here. And, and uh, Microsoft, same thing. And everything is starting to get a little more closed off in, in these big brands world. I don't necessarily see Intuit doing that just yet, but I could see them being a little bit, I could see them going down that route of getting a little bit more, just very on, on the low, a little more closed off, a little more, okay, you use this in my family. How good a vendor set at talking to each other? Seven, the accounting profession in the round, if you like. That's a good question. Obviously, they there is some, I don't know if it's in the UK, definitely over here, you have key people who will be some, it's somewhat incestuous, isn't it? It's not, again, not a huge market, but so you'll find some executive or someone who did time somewhere and will go over to a competitor or go over to somewhere else because they, because of their skill set, who they are. So They'll learn some things. I think they could learn to talk to each other more. I know our AICPA over here and their uh, marketing arm, CPA.com, 
as more of the product-facing uh, arm of the AICPA. Every year, they put on what's called the Executive Roundtable. Executive Roundtable has been going on for, oh, I don't know. Yeah, I guess maybe a dozen years, something like that, close to it. I went to the first many of them. It gets them in the same room, Seth, doesn't it? Gets them in the same room, and because a lot of them are talking about the same issues. And at the end of the day, it does get around to our topic here, which is how relations between vendors and accountants could be better and how incredibly important it has become. No longer our accountants really are starting to change their approach. They're really starting to just go, hey, I don't like this. And I'm going to tell you that I don't like this. And if you don't change or do something else about it, I'm going to find someone else who can, or I might still continue to use you for some clients, but I'm really going to get on the side of this company because they've treated me in a way and that is more considerate. And that's what the smaller vendors can do, isn't it? They're more agile, they're customer service focused more than some of the big firms, perhaps. And some of the bigger ones will do it too. It really just depends on, on their approach. Look, so the bigger names out there, they have certain efforts where where they, they are taking that that influence into account. But the smaller ones, you're right. They they also have a bit more at stake. They want to grow. They want to have influence over their part of the world. And they know that they have their own competitors as well. So it would almost behoove them to look, perfect story. The company FreshBooks, they've been around uh, for 20 years. They had predominantly had been seen as, and really started at their core, as a cloud-based invoicing solution specifically for what we would call gig workers. The, over here, we define them by the tax forms that they fill out, the 1099s, the independent contractors, if you will. And it was great just for that. But they realized, the developers there realized, and the company realized that while they don't want to ignore that base. They realize that this is still an accounting product. And so they've evolved the platform enough to where they actually started to consider how the accountant's role in it. There was no role for the accountant in the product that they had until fairly recently to say, okay, we're going to actually have something that you can work on simultaneously with this client of yours. And we're going to expand it enough to where you don't have to work with such small uh, entities. You can actually work with a small business as long as that business is maybe uh, service-based, which is fine. That's a good sort of niche to, to have because it's an evolving niche. A lot more of the businesses these days, entrepreneurs are, who are going into business for themselves they are taking on this sort of service-based approach. So ultimately, you're going to need some kind of accounting solution for what you do. And that's just one example of how I've seen a company evolve. And sometimes it just takes hiring the right people, too, that have this vision to be like, no, wait a minute, we, we actually we need accountants. We need them in the room. We need them helping us to evolve you know, what we, what we do. And others are out there too that are just, if we're calling out brand names, Carbon. I like what Carbon is doing. They are a, at their core, practice management solution that is coming to market or came to market without pushing their product. They'll actually go out and recommend other products, other competitors, when they sense that this is not right for you. And I've seen accounting firms do that too. If they're full upfront and honest and be like, hey, look, 
these are my prices. These are my, this is, this is my approach to the market. This is how I do things. This is how our firm do, does things. I'm going to be honest with you and say, you are not a fit for us. Let me refer you to someone else. But Carbon leads with content, quality content. They know and education. They have tons of education uh, going on. And, they, and the product sits there. The product, obviously, they've spent millions on developing a great product or what, what they see is a great product, but they want the accountant to make that decision. It's a softer approach, but it's one that's getting some wheels to it because this is how accountants want to be approached. And it all gets back to what I said at the beginning, Rob, which is trust. If you do not establish that trust, it's going to be very hard to, to get listened to. And the same right, if you have that trust and you break it, you may never get it back again. Accountants have elephantine-like memories in that you can see a product 10 years ago, have something go wrong or go off in some way, and that accountant will remember that, oh yeah, I, yeah, we tried using that once. It wasn't really for us, but it was 10 years ago. <laughs> it's, a lot, it's like a whole lifetime in the, the life of a product, isn't it? And is it easier now, Seth, for tech companies, software vendors to break into the market? Is there a lower barrier to entry now for them to get in the game, even with these big providers? I think so, because all you have to do is be genuine. Be really understand everything that that I've been talking about for the list. And you would suggest that's more content led than product led, perhaps. Exactly. Exactly. Start with content. Start with that conversation. Don't start with marketing the product itself. Back off a bit. Take a take an easier approach. Start with the problem that your product ultimately looks to solve. Right. So get on the side of accountants, listen to them. They have a lot to say. And, you know, when you're heard, just even it's a human thing, isn't it? When you feel heard, you feel that trust starting to grow and you feel significant. You feel like you matter. Accountants need to feel that way, not to get all touchy-feely, but this is the truth. This is exactly Start seeing them in this way. Even if you're looking at bottom line, even if you're looking at numbers and you're a much bigger company, you can still do this. You can still have this approach. And, I, and I've seen it over here as well. Companies that have really turned on the, the content engine. Is there an ultimate extension of that, that providers, vendors would get into an R&D type conversation with accountants to say, hey, what do you need? What can we design for you? And they... That's really having a, an in-depth conversation about, let me help you. And, and it's not product-led, is it? It's needs-led. Needs-led, exactly. And that's what I said at the outset, is they both need each other. And they have to see a lot more eye-to-eye -eye about that. Even if they don't need the accountant directly, they need them more indirectly, you cannot any longer see them as a channel. They have to see them as an influencer, see them as part of your team, because ultimately they're the gatekeepers of those relationships with the clients, the companies that they ultimately want buying their product. But if the accountant says no, <laughs> you're 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 not likely to get that that yes anytime soon. And we're talking here, Seth, about vendors getting the attention of busy accountants. So I wanted in this extended episode. Talk about the role of events. You're seeing what's happening in the landscape and events are a way for vendors to get in front of 
hopefully large numbers of accountants or certainly accountants looking for a certain thing. How do you feel the events industry is serving the accounting and vendor communities? It's a great question, Rob. I, I'm not just saying that because it really speaks to what we've been speaking about, which is the word content. To me, an event, a live event, is a form of content. It's putting a lot on the table at once. So think of it as a, a content buffet, if you will. <laughs> Whereas meaning you can go to multiple sessions, you can hear from multiple voices and multiple speakers, and not just about product, but about strategy, about the pains we were talking about. All of these things to as the magnet to draw the accountant in. And the fact that the vendors are there, I think that live events could do a better job of working the vendors into as part of that conversation and not in a way that, well, they're going to tell you how their product solves for this, that, and the other thing. They're not going to talk product at all. They're going to talk problem, not product. They're going to talk about process, not product. They're going to talk about how the accountants could be working better or just common issues that come out. And oh yeah, by the way, if you, if you want to come talk to us, we're here, we're at booth XYZ, um, happy to give you a demo, happy to walk you through more, but understand that we understand you. So live events are great ways to start that ripple effect. You get the influencers, you get people who are listened to in the profession more, even some of the attendees enough there. Again, it's not such a numbers game, whereas you have your account text over there and that's the big one where thousands will show up. Over here, the shows that really move the needle to me are some of the decidedly smaller ones, but will have more influence and really hit issues that accountants are dealing with a little more head on. So events that will maybe attract five, five to 700 over here, but of influential accounts, accountants who really are looking for something more than just a big trade show, uh, something that really speaks to them, are going to have a, a wider influence. If you want to talk marketing, you already have folks who are a little further down the funnel than the folks who are at a, a larger, as the shows get larger, you get what we call over here, the tiger kickers, more top of the funnel folks. I don't even know that maybe they're just even approaching the funnel. They don't know what they want. Maybe they're there for their free swag or whatever it is. And the CPD, sure, fine. Those are table stakes. What you really want to give them is quality content and something they can walk away with. And yeah, they'll follow, maybe follow up with you with a vendor, let the, with, a, with a demo. Let them make that decision. Put their needs first and you'll find that you'll move the needle uh, a lot more. It's nothing worse than, I've heard this dozens of times over, Rob over the years where accountant, sorry, a product maker will, they spend, and they're not, the booth is not cheap. Let's be honest. I don't know, I don't know what they're charging over in the UK. Over here, they can be 10, 20,000 US for just a simple booth, just to have space there. And then, then, and then more on top of that, if you want some more signage, if you want to be part of a session, if you want to be all these things, who knows how some of the event coordinators will work their pricing structure, but it can be costly. And then you got to pay for travel and, and lodging and all these things. This is We've all got to define return on investment of these things, Seth, haven't we? Return on time and money. Vendors who often go to these larger trade shows, and sure, they'll get hundreds coming through and lots of foot traffic. What's the quality going to be like? 
Are you going to come out of there with maybe 40, 50 leads that are actually truly interested in what you're doing? But isn't there a bit of FOMO as well? I dare not be there because my competitors are on the same floor. And that's the rub, isn't it? There's if enough are going to a certain thing, you want you want that. Having been on the side of event creation, you want to create that FOMO. You want to create that we need to be here feeling, but be there in a way that is meaningful, not just be there to be there. But yeah, there is that 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 rub. What do you feel is coming up over the next few years with the evolving of the vendor accountant relationship? Let's nail that one and let's finish off with the future of events. What's coming up with vendor account relations is what I had started saying is that if if they don't improve, I think they're going to find the vendors are going to find that they're going to struggle uh, a bit harder because of the amount of competition, because it's all you need is enough of your competitors who are actually getting on the side of accountants, listening to them, pulling them in even as into the lab, into the, whatever you want to uh, call it, but really making them part of the process of that product's evolution, whether it's directly for accountants, that should be a no brainer, or it's for their clients which should be top of mind as well. Whoever it's for, if the accountant is involved, then they should they should be involved. And so you're going to find that in short order that those are the ones who are going to struggle. Now, you, you might already be seeing it, particularly among the larger vendors who might be able to weather some of that storm, but it's going to be tough for them. They're going to lose marketing people. They're going to lose market share. And yeah, I, I definitely, I think they should be starting to take it seriously if they're not already. Let's see how that plays out. And with the events, Seth, are we going to see more and more big events, more and more smaller niche events, a bit of everything? What does your crystal ball tell you? For sure. Smaller, more meaningful, more targeted, more for certain groups. I think there is space for that. I think definitely over here, which is all that I can speak to, but North America really... I think would value more of a multitude of these, I don't want to say niche, but just let's face it, the reason why, and I, and I recently wrote about this in an article, the reason why events do well and the reason why accountants are wanting to actually get out of their comfort zone and spend the time and the money to go to one or two events a year is for the other humans that are there. It's not the stuff. It's not the CPD. You can get you can find out all you want on and get all that sorted online. You can do it from your office, from your home, wherever you are. But what you're not going to get is that quality human time. And in order for the profession itself to evolve, to at the same time learn about products, but also talk to other professionals just about even just deeply personal stuff because they're all going through it, you know? They are going to need these events and you want it to be at least relatively intimate. There's that balance because live events are a business. So it has to earn enough. You have to get enough vendor sponsorship and attendee, paid attendees to make it work. And having been a part of that balance and seeing that success, creating an event or events that do have that intimacy, but also the financial success, I think that they'll continue to work and the vendors are going to see that, the event co coordinators are going to see that, and more importantly, the accountants who attend them are going to see that. I don't think they need these very large. We've got a couple here in the States that are sizable and uh, I don't know that uh, their value is going to uh, continue as much. And if it is, 
they're going to have to listen to accountants and attendees on what it is that that they want. Yeah. We'll see that play out as well. Seth Feinberg, that's been a wonderful uh, insight into the accounting vendor relationship and the, the whole event space. There's so much going on. We really appreciate your passion and your insights today. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I, I really appreciate you. Obviously, we could go on easily for another hour with me, but I'm glad that we were able to touch on some of these things that I'm personally passionate about and trying to play my own uh, role in as as time goes on. You are. We'll put your contact details in the show notes, Seth, because if they want to be have a content-led approach and get some real oversight into what is working, then uh, you're a great person to talk to. Whatever I can do, I've set up shop to do just that, to help vendors to have that better relationship. And also, I'm finding that accountants, too, are starting to reach out to me as well because they're offering new products and, and, and services that they need to market as well. And they they don't always have the time or the focus to, to do that. So I'm there to help in that way as well. You're listening to the Accounting Influencers Podcast. Sponsored by Dext. Make the businesses you advise more productive, profitable, and powerful with better data and insights.